Perfect. We're recording. Oh, yeah. Me doing the... I just want to make an announcement, too, that um, according to Amber's text message to us, Justin Bieber oh, will be joining this Zoom meeting as well. I didn't, so I, didn't I can't know wait till he joins on. I will add on in that. So I'll just put add Justin Bieber whenever yeah. he comes on. Zoom meeting Bieber is what it said. Wait. So I'm so excited for that. Um, <laughs> we'll start. Okay, ready? Four, three, two, and welcome to the mid-level show. Um, we are the mid-levels of performance medicine, uh, giving to you a variety of mid-levels from nurse practitioners to physicians assistant in a variety of cities in the Tri-Cities, Johnson City, Kingsport, and Knoxville. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have Amber, Kara, Fran, and myself in the house. And we've got a good subject. We've got a great subject. I feel like we have a great subject every week, yes. But this one, this one's pertinent. It's happening right now. And it's about the, I don't know if you listeners or viewers have heard of the coronavirus, but some stuff is happening right now, okay? And we're all a part of it. Uh, But we're actually in an area that is not part of the epicenter, but we had... a one, my, my dad, the supervising physician, had a conversation um, with um, with a physician that's right on the front lines. I'm pulling up our doctor's note right now. Uh, this is Dr. Brock Blankenship. So he's a part of uh, Quillen School of Medicine with the ER, um, teaching the emergency medicine, but also, I believe, is an ER doc in um, Abingdon and has had military experience. He's the person I would want to talk to and ask questions. And that's exactly what, um, Dr. Rogers and my dad did this week. Um, I just honestly, I don't even know where to begin with this cause all of it's good. So I just want to get everyone's first take. Like, so, so we'll start with Amber. What was your first take on reading this doctor's note or listening to the pod? I believe everyone should listen to what he has mm-hmm. to say too. Yes. We just do key takeaways, but listening will get yes. you more info. What do you think? Listen, listen to this. I mean, we are we have so much conflicting information right now on whatever news source you go to, and it has been so confusing. And this is someone that's a trustworthy source that literally just got back from New York, is in quarantine himself from from his exposure level there. And um, my biggest takeaway and what I have actually changed practice in was what we were discussing at the beginning was masks. I was kind of of the impression like, I mean, I I only go out to the grocery store once a week pretty much. And I hadn't worn a mask up to this point because it's like, I'm not symptomatic. I'm just going to touch my face more if I wear it. And after listening to him, I was really compelled about the fact that not only is it protecting other people, but it's also protecting myself uh, from exposure levels. So I have actually personally changed my practice and um, actually wore a mask to the grocery store. I, I think I, I've, I've, I've been hit or miss with wearing a mask every time I go into a public place, but I got looks when I didn't wear one. I don't know if you got a look, but ooh, I got a look like, what are you doing? I was like, just a quick Starbucks. Okay. The, I, I can't go to the other one. I just want to go right there, but I got to look like yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm not coughing, but uh, th- that's a good point. It's changed my point of view too, because a lot of what we've been taught is that that it really doesn't make a difference whether or not you're covering yourself or not, uh, unless it's an N95. So, mm-hmm. uh, Kara, what was your first take from this? Um, I agree with Amber. You know, I probably wasn't as um, meticulous about the mask, but patients have come in with masks, and then they've said, you know, I want to be respectful of you. You know, is it, is it, I'm wearing this mask because, um, you know, they were saying, you know, they want to be respectful of other people. And I thought, you know, 
watching that, you know, we should be. Right. And um, right. we were good. You know, we always wear gloves and wipe everything down and stuff like that. And that's work. But even out, just like you said, running to Starbucks or whatever, just a mask on. And um, um, like, you know, sometimes you'll get the, the look if you don't have one on. And being a healthcare provider, just, you know, integrity and wanting to follow CDC guidelines and be an example. I almost think like it's that just, you hit it on the net, like being an example, like it almost lets me know it's almost like a sorts of like, almost like a placebo effect. I'm not saying that is placebo, but it lets me in my mind know that you have at least are aware of what's going on and not totally mm -hmm. ignoring it. Is it kind of like a weird sense of calm? Even though if I, and what he was talking about, Dr. Blankenship was saying that it is showing that it is effective. Even if I didn't know that, it lets me know, ooh, okay, you're paying attention at least, at the very least. Yeah, and, uh, and you don't want to have like a sense of arrogance. Right, right. Like, And oh. it is our responsibility to, um, we're wearing it out of respect for others, you know, even though we're not symptomatic. So it really makes you think about things. Oh, for sure, for sure. Fran, what do you think? What was your first take? Oh, you're muted. Oh, sorry, Fran. I think we're. I think you're muted. Hold on one second. Let me get you off mute. Hold on. Unmute audio. Fran, are you there? Don't worry. Unmute. <laughs> sorry, technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Unmute audio. Okay. While I'm working on this, Fran, are you muted? At hold on one second. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we are having technical difficulties here at the mid-level show. Um, and I do not have my production team. They were inside making coffee. Frank, are you there? I'm there now. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm getting a note from production team. Uh, it'd be nice to have you in the room, too, for audio. Great. Frank, we can hear you now. Sorry about that. Okay. So, full disclosure, I haven't even listened um, yeah. to the podcast. Um, my husband's on vacation this week, so it's been, you know. <laughs> A lot going on. So I have not listened to that, but just listening to what you were saying about the masks, I am on top of that. Um, he actually brought home something that he showed me from Ballot Health, which was showing the rate of transmission between like one person wearing a mask versus two people wearing a mask mm. if someone happens to be COVID positive. And if two people are in masks, it said it was really low. So um, I, I've been wearing my mask. I think my um, other big takeaway was that this is such an ever-evolving process. Like, I guess you just think this is kind of in the bag, like it's a virus. It'll ultimately, you know, with the, it'll, once all this has died down, it'll be like another type of flu. But in this process, it's ever-changing, ever-evolving. And he was just kept saying, we haven't quite figured it out yet. What are the ramifications long term? The the other thing that stuck out to me was the thirty to fifty age group that are they're having yeah. some hypoxia, blood clotting, and you're I had heard that from different sources, but this was more to me more credible because he's coming from the front lines and yeah, coming right from the epicenter too, and seeing it mm -hmm. firsthand. Um, and Fran, I want to get your opinion on this too, because you're big on sleep, and that was the the first mm -hmm. point. One of the main points he made. I'm reading this directly from the note. Reduce your risk factors by getting sleep. Sleep is in, important. And, and you've talked about in previous podcasts that you've struggled with sleep in the past. And a lot of people, I think, do struggle with sleep or well, undervalue yeah, sleep. A lot, of, a lot of women in perimenopause and menopause suffer from sleep disturbances. Yeah, um, yeah. And there, there are definitely things you can do to improve it. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's a wealth of information on different things. Different things work for different people. 
for me, balancing my hormones works great. Um, and then I also, I, I have to wear a sleep mask because my husband refuses to not have digital lights on in the room <laughs> because they don't bother him. But, you know, I, I need that complete darkness. And I sleep yeah. much better when I wear a sleep mask, which is just a crazy thing. No, I don't think that works. seems crazy at all. I'm, I'm right there with you. I have to be... Um, I have to, I have to have almost everything right. Like I need the right temperature. I need the right, I need no lights. I need, um, a sound machine to, I almost need brown noise or white noise, but I undervalue to just the value of sleep. It's so easy to be like, okay, well get enough sleep. But this is the one thing he said that you can do. And he wears the aura ring, which measures the type of oh, sleep you're I've getting. Got one. And you've got one yeah. too. Okay, Amber, Carol, we got to get some too. We got to get that aura ring. It's although it can be a little bit disturbing to see because sometimes I will get up and I'll think I had a great night's sleep, and then I look at my sleep data and I'm like, I had nine disturbances last night. <laughs> you know, and you're like, what? That's when you totally blame, unaware of that. blame your family for that. Speak, listen, <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to. Something is happening that I do not know, or maybe there's some ghosts in the house we just don't know about. You're having nine no, paranormal but activities. I am. I've been doing a a lot of research on it and I'm starting to believe it's possible. I have a form of sleep apnea. Yeah, I've never yeah. actually had a sleep study done, but I have a father who doesn't appear to have any of the risk factors and he's had sleep apnea his whole life. Thin man snores. And my children have let me know that I definitely snore and they've been subject to being in a hotel room with me. They're like, mom, you snore all night long. Happy it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. You snore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they actually record me to prove it. Oh, okay. even better. Even better. Yeah, <laughs> so there's, phones, yeah. there's actual audio proof. Yes. I, I just, I find that that is so, it's so important. If I took away anything from my first take was, okay, sleep is important. We've got to get it. It's important for a lot of other things, release of growth hormone, to have a, an appropriate cortisol spike and curve uh, throughout the day. Sleep is just, it's its imperative and it's protecting people too. So for those of you listening, the R-ring is what uh, Dr. Rogers and Dr. Blake and Ship talk about. It measures the type of sleep you get, how, how, much, how many disturbances you've had. Does it also give you a pulse ox? Does it do that as well? I, I saw a few that did. And now speaking it for people who are wanting to look this up because I actually asked Dr. Rogers and um, it's O-U. on Amazon. It's O-U. It's not the U. A, like an R. O-U-R-A. Yes. O-U-R-A. For those of you R-A. listening who are interested. That, I, but it does. It gives you your time in deep sleep and it gives you your time in REM sleep and it gives you your time in light sleep. It tracks your sleep efficiency. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with it. The first what thing about? I do every morning is I <laughs> the, see like, oh my gosh, how did I sleep? How ready am I for the day? Does yours or are there some available that in, um, also include a pulse oximeter? I, when I looked it up, I, I saw some that did, which kind of led into his other, you know, Dr. Rogers recommended getting an R ring, get, you know, knowing, uh, having a, a pulse oximeter in your home. And uh, because they were seeing this 30 to 50 age group come in, they weren't even what he called air hunger. So they weren't gasping for breath or feeling short of breath. And they would be running um, their pulse oximetry or the, the amount of oxygen that they were measuring in their blood was like 80%. And so that those were a very scary underlier, not to, not to instill fear in the public, but um, if, if you could do a two for one where your aura ring also involved that pulse oximetry, 
you know, I personally have been taking deeper breaths thinking, should I go buy a pulse oximeter? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't give you that, but it's, I mean, it's amazing. I'm looking at mine right now. It gives you at night, gives you your respiratory rate. It gives you your heart rate variability. It gives you your resting heart rate. It gives you your body temperature. Um, In fact, even a study you can get in on about COVID will track your body temperature with others, you know, just trying to figure out some more things about this virus. So, so that's actually more than the Fitbit or the smartwatches that people may have because they may think they're getting a lot of good information with those, but the Aura provides more than that. I, I'm a fan. I, I'm thinking I may yeah, get I mean, in I, on this. I don't, I don't have any of those, so I can't really comment. But um, I think anything that's giving you information is good. I, I think so too. And being aware of that you're limiting your risk factor. I feel like it's all about the, the four of us in, in these squares right now, we are in the healthcare field and we work for an integrative health clinic where we are proactive about our health. So we're going to be pretty, oh, at least keen to and aware of what we're doing. So we're more, I'm definitely a data person. I'm, I've lived with type one diabetes for, for 17 years now. So it's so much easier to adjust insulin, insulin regimen if you have data points. Otherwise, you're just making guesses. So I always say the more data you bring, any patient that comes in, bring all, bring any labs that you've ever had. I'd love to see it. Love to see when it's drawn. It's only going to strengthen what we're able to do from our end. I feel it's the same way too with, with sleep. I've never even thought, dad has been obsessing about this dang ring forever. Well, it's <laughs> nice also because of the size. Yeah. You know, it's just a little ring. I, I find I can't sleep. If my watch is on, my Apple watch, it, it, it lights up at certain times and I just can't sleep with a watch on, yeah, it, you know, everyone's it, different. What things bother them when they're trying to sleep the ring. I don't even notice it. But how cool to have like data points from your sleep. I, I, I think it's great. I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, Kara, you've worked in the ER, you've come from the mm-hmm. ER into performance medicine. I'd love to get your take on what, what this is causing in the ER, maybe even to an oh, East Tennessee. What do you one. think? You think it's causing a lot of trouble? Do you think people are scared to go to the ER now that they they feel like they may get COVID? Do you feel like people are too like, oh, I have it? I have a lot of people that have called the office and say, oh, I definitely had it. Uh huh. What do you think? Yes. Um, I had a patient that um, that said she was wondering if patients were reluctant to go to the ER with things like chest pain and things like that to get get treatment because they were afraid that they would be exposed. Uh, 19. Right. Um, and um, so I had heard from um, the EMS provider that the hospitals were empty, that they were vacant. So, um, and, you know, we had set up some test centers. I know Blount County had where you could drive through and get tested. And I know you can in some of the urgent cares, but um, th- that maybe people were reluctant to no, go. No. And she was wondering no, if no. that had caused. Um, more fatalities because they hadn't gone to for fear of exposure. It's almost, yeah, I feel like it's almost one of those things where it's like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if you need to go and you're having those symptoms, yes. But at the same time, uh, a lot of people are dying from other reasons. um, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's just, um, 
there's a lot of unknowns. That's kind of the other thing I took from this. There are some really great bullet points about specifics with masks, with um, the gold standards for treatment, uh, redesivir, redemsivir, I believe is what it was, um, and even to um, hydroxychloroquine and Z-Packs. And- well, and that that being said, they, they went to a distinction about that as far as you've got a, a very drastic price difference. So Dr. Rogers and Dr. Um, Black... Oh, dear. I'm blanking. Um, Blankenship. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Who, if you're listening, you did fabulous and thank you for your service. But um, they both said, and I would agree, if I were to be positive, I would treat myself with the Plaquenil and the Zithromax. And that, you know, which is a very um, uh, more economical option from a price standpoint. And that re- Redim Severe or whatever is more for your hospitalized patients that are. Because your goal is to stay out of the hospital yes. and especially to stay off a ventilator because once you're on the ventilator, you know, that, that you can still come out of it, but your um, percentages. So the, the gold standard in the hospital being that, that newish drug, but Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax uh, would still be good to be treated with. Oh, absolutely. And, and I've had patients too say, well, what would you do? If if you had if I thought I had it and I and I looked like it, I would go ahead and treat. It's like what what is going to be the harm in, tr- in in treating? And and I feel like that's still kind of controversial right now, uh, just because I think a lot of this and Dr. Blankenship did mention a lot of this is being politicized. So um, what the government is saying about what works and what doesn't work, what's being touted as treatments and prophylactic uh, regimens for COVID when we don't really know and don't have the studies, it put me at ease that from a, a well-respected, very intelligent, um, and extremely experienced physician in the front line said there's still a lot of unknowns. I don't know if that gave you all some comfort, but that actually gave me a little bit of comfort of like, well, we're doing everything we can. And at least from RN2, and for those of you listening or viewing, there is stuff you can literally do right now. You can, mm-hmm. and literally just from reading the doctor's note and not even listening to the podcast, which I'd recommend doing, but, but getting your sleep, get, getting eight to nine hours, seven to nine hours of sleep at least. Um, vitamins. Oh, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. Those are yes. three easy ones to add on right now. Uh, we've been doubling up our our initial regimen. Initial <laughs> regimen, um, I don't know the zinc off the top of my head, but it was vitamin D 5,000 and vitamin C 1,000, but we've been doubling those to 2,000 and 10,000 IUs of vitamin D. That's something you can literally do right now to decrease your risk factors in addition to wearing a mask, which I would not, I would not have picked that out as something that came out of that. I would have thought, uh, not really doing anything, but apparently it is. And, um, and I, I guess, I guess to close out too, there's, um, something I thought, I just want to kind of take our last take on it. We did first take and we'll take last take. My last take on it. And it was from the podcast was how, how Zithromax or Zithromycin, these are a macrolide class of drugs. It is the, I don't know, I just came out of school. I'm a year out of school. And the thought process in school is always bacterial versus viral. We use z way too often because you get a sore throat, get a z You get the sniffles, you get a z It was like z are like Tic Tacs. And, and I thought that too. I was like, we need to wait seven to 10 days when a viral turns into bacterial. We need to see if we have a white count in order for this antibacterial drug, this antibiotic to work. But now they're seeing that it 
it it uh, modifies your immune system to help out with viruses. Did y'all did y'all catch that in the podcast, or did that that stood mm-hmm. out to me as? Ooh, there may be something more out of a ZPEC, which is why a lot of the times it works whenever we're treating. What, what were y'all? What was y'all's take on using macrolides earlier, or that type of? That to me was novel. I hadn't heard that before. Well, ZPECs are are easy. You know, it's five days. It stays in your system an additional seven. Uh, fairly, you know, inexpensive, available. Um, we use them a lot for for. Um, so I know we use them in pneumonia. So um, problems that COVID nineteen brings. So. And might as well, might as well use it. I mean, if you've got those symptoms, you got that fever, you might have had exposure. Use it, a- Amber. What do you think? Um, I missed that part, but that's very interesting about the as far as the modulary action of it. Um, I we love Z packs at we, performance medicine. We I mean, love them, but everybody we loves carry them. Urgent, them is what I mean. Urgent yes, care loves them. I feel like that's a go too. Yeah, there's there must be a reason. I've kind of gone on the fence about like um, viral versus bacterial, but there there is a reason why it's working and a reason why it's working in this specific virus. And so mm-hmm. it's something that um, to consider. And my other my biggest takeaway, I think, um, was uh, take control as much as you can of your own health. Like we always preach performance medicine, get good sleep, take your vitamins, uh, limit your exposure as the economy is opening back up, which it needs to open back up. And I am all about it. Uh, but if you're a high risk person, if you're elderly, if you, um, you know, take the proper, uh, uh, proper concerns and also social distance, things like that. So I, I am with you. I, and I've told patients that as they've been coming in, we've been doing a lot more telemedicine at performance medicine, all three of our locations, which I feel like will become more of a standard in the future for things that don't need to be face to face, uh, especially during pandemics. So I feel like they're going to utilize that, um, more, but uh, taking care of your own health and, and starting from the beginning, I think is I think is huge. A friend, we're doing last takes, kind of on, the, you know, and last takes from even just from the doctor's note from the bullet points we've gotten out of Dr. Rogers' conversation with Dr. Blankenship. Um, just last takes and maybe some recommendations you might see for patients or for viewers who are listening right now. I have you muted again. Fran, you. oh wait, I got you. <laughs> Am I muted? Fran, I will never put baby in the corner ever again, okay? <laughs> I don't know how that is happening, but the computer's doing it. I think it's one of those disturbances you're having in the middle of the night is coming and just pushing that mute button. <laughs> I think ultimately everybody is responsible for their own health. And providers and doctors and all the things out there, they can help you. They can help guide you, but ultimately it's up to you to make the changes and do the things to preserve your health. Oh, absolutely. Nobody's going to be able to do it for you, you know, and listen to yourself, Uh, read everything you can and listen to your own body and make your own decisions. Do what's best for you. I agree. Protect your health. I think that's great. And, and, and even too with so we are in an information overloaded culture anyways, and especially 
especially right now, we are inundated with information about COVID. Everything is about COVID right now. Um, right. So, so finding out where those sources come from and coming from a, le- a legitimate source, I wouldn't take just a new snippet and take that as fact. I'd read the entire article. He talked about in the podcast um, some of these studies being performed on the, the highest risk patients and saying it was, mm-hmm. I believe it was with Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. saying it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but the study was a poorly uh, yeah. uh, conducted study. So having that knowledge just really helps and helps out with making rash decisions. We're going to have to slow things down a little bit, which we've done with, uh, unfortunately, the economy. But I feel like it's we've had a nice breath of air to slow things down. And as we move back in, I think we need to be just cognizant of what we're doing. And you're right, friend. Listen to your body. Most often when a patient comes in and tells me something's up, we, the first thing dad taught me is always believe, believe the patient. They know, they know their body. Uh, A lab value can tell you anything, but, but but listen to what they're feeling because they're the ones that are going to be in control of it. But, and even with one thing I want to point out is with studies, a lot of times it'll say, well, this, you know, this is no good because it, it only works for 20% of the people or maybe, you know, but what if you are in that 20% (laughs) or even if it's something that only works for 2%, but if you're in that 2% and it works for you, well, you know, go with it. Right. (laughs) Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and two, seeing seeing the, like seeing, seeing who they are studying. It's, it's huge. There's, there's entire classes dedicated, um, in, in, both PA and I would assume MP schools as well as med schools about how to do uh, evidence-based medicine and how to read studies um, and what to go on. And so I, I feel very lucky that we've had this, um, not only have we had this conversation, but we in, have indirectly had a conversation with Dr. Blankenship um, from the epicenter, from the front lines in New York. So um, if you have not tuned into that podcast, viewers and listeners of the Mid-Level Show, go and just listen to it. It's, I think it's like <laughs> 30 minutes and, and see what you take from it uh, and just know that you are in control of your own health. So, mm-hmm. so take, uh, take all action. That's what I would say is take all actions. You're, there's a lot of lifestyle modifications we can all eat now. I don't know if you've ever had an Aunt Ruth's donut. Good Lord. Oh my God. Like they set up at one spot, like every wins. I don't know. They put on their Facebook where they're going to be that day. When I'm telling you those things are crack, those things are crack. They're amazing. But modifiable risk factor, I don't want to say don't support because they're a local business and they're great. But, like, you know, think about what you're doing. Like, you can think about what you're doing before, even though that may be the right decision for right now. Is it the right decision for the future? Is that a bad way to end it? I don't feel good about that. Maybe we can cut up. I'm getting a note from production. Something healthy like vitamin D. Yes. We did talk about vitamin D. We did talk about vitamin D. I'm getting a note from production, too, that we may cut that last part. Thank you so much, production. Uh, I just got a note for the it. Yeah, just, just cut and edit that out. We don't need that. But um, this has been another great show. Amber, Kara, friend, thank you so much for joining me uh, and beautiful uh, Matigua Bay that I might be at right now. Uh, just kidding. I, I love the I love the birds chirping in the background. It's very peaceful. I am, I only took five thousand vitamin D, and now I'm getting my other five thousand right now. Like just the sunshine. <laughs> tune in next week to the mid-level show thank you so much for tuning in i will see you all next week thank you have a good day thank you bye thank you
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.